You're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and today is Friday my favorite day of the week. And not because it's Friday in the weekend, it's because it's Unique Leaders Live Day. I am so thrilled to have my guest today, Michelle McLean. Michelle's story is amazingly rich with perseverance, love, compassion, and so much more. I can't wait for you to hear her story and meet Michelle. But before we do, I'd just like to give you a brief background to Unique Leaders Live. It is now a podcast as well, but when we began a year ago or a year and a half ago now, it was during a time when we were all home, and I felt that it was time to share other people's stories, and so I did. And so from there, Unique Leaders Live was uh, birthed. And these stories are your stories. You'll see yourself in these stories. You'll be um, uh, awakened by the compelling aspect to them and how similar to your life there is. So I just wanted to sit back and listen to Michelle's story and understand that we are all together in this. We are not alone. So the Unique Leaders Live is on all social media platforms. So please share this out on all of the platforms as you're watching this that you use. And also it's on YouTube. So if you haven't been on YouTube, go to it, subscribe, and you'll be able to see not only Michelle's story, but also the other amazing year and a half of uh, segments that we have filmed from Sharon Lecter to Glenn Lundy to Scott Simons, amazing people and their stories. So Please subscribe. It will help others find us. And then on Tuesday, Michelle's story will be on all the podcasting platforms. So you'll be able to work out, take your walks, do whatever, and listen to not only Michelle, uh, her story, but others as well. So without further ado, let you meet my guest, Michelle McLean. Hello, hello, hello. My pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. I've been so looking forward to this, Michelle, because you've had an epic year and um, I've known you for several and uh, the journey is quite extraordinary. So, um, you know, let's just dig in and get to it. So why don't we go to where Michelle was born, a little bit about young Michelle and then your journey from there. Absolutely. So again, thank you for having me. It's super exciting to be here with you today. My very dear friend, I've watched you grow in so many ways as well. So that has just been an amazing journey just to kind of watch uh, the, the path of Megan DiMartino. You've, you've done so much uh, since I met you. So uh, it's just it's an honor to be here with you. But uh, so Michelle, um, Michelle was born in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1981. I am going to be celebrating the big 4-0 here in about a month. Um, but, you know, I had a, I had a pretty normal childhood, I, I think, from, from all accounts. Um, I was an honors student. Uh, I, was, I was very in tune, I think, with the person that I wanted to become at a very young age, although I didn't quite realize it yet. Um, I remember being as young as five years old and uh, I was very competitive. Um, I was in all types of sports and events and um, school things. Uh, I was president of my student council. Um, I, I just, I was always really competitive. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, that might've done me a little bit more harm than good. Um, I just wanted to stand out. And, and I think um, from a very young age, I, I just, I had something inside of me that I knew I wanted to be more and do more in life. Mm-hmm. And everything that I involved myself in, um, I, I had the mentality of go big or go home. Um, like I said, even as early as five, mm-hmm. uh, my mom had me in the Girl Scouts. And I remember selling like 550 <laughs> boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Right. And uh, I think my family kind of all knew at some point I was going to endeavor into the world of sales. We just didn't know uh, where I would end up. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, you know, like I said, I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I, I loved high school. Uh, I was, a, I was a social butterfly. I think I attracted people to me because I was never part of a clique. 
um, very similar to today. I've, I've always had that mentality of we rise mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And so I was just as much friends with, you know, the people that weren't as, you know, popular as I was the popular kids. I was a cheerleader in high school. I played volleyball. Um, I sang, I was in show choir. I mean, I, I was very well-rounded. And I think that that really kind of set me off on my journey mm -hmm. so that when I started college, um, I, I had a lot more of a foundation than probably a lot of other people had had just by, mm -hmm. by doing all of those things and being so active. Uh, but I went to Miami University. I graduated with honors. Um, I have two degrees. I have one in marketing, one in English literature, and a minor in business legal studies, um, all of which were paid for by the automotive industry. And huh. the auto industry literally changed my life. So how did that happen? How did that step in there? Even so then? originally, um, I started college actually at 17 and um, I was going to go into in for IT. That was my original plan and goal, um, computer information systems. I wanted to work on networks and things like that. And my mm -hmm. very first day um, before I ended up at Miami, I went to a technical school and my first day walking in, um, they sat me down and, and required that we take a typing class. And I, my mom, God love her, um, from the time that I remember being probably, I don't know, eight or nine years old, my mom said, you're going to need typing one day and you're not going to go out and do at, at, like school activities. You're not doing extracurriculars until you can successfully sit down and type 45 words per minute. And like mm -hmm. I said, I'm eight or nine years old at this time. And I was so mad at my mom because all I wanted to do was go out and play with my friends. And so, like okay. I said, I had that competitive nature in me. And I said, OK, mom, I'll show you. So I did it for a week. And um, by the end of that week, I was successfully typing 110 words a minute at about 98, 99% accuracy. Okay. And uh, so it, it was ironic because like I said, my first day at the technical school, they required us to take this like hunt and peck typing class. And I said, listen guys, like I'm not paying $350 a credit hour to take typing. Like I, can I test out? They wouldn't let me test out. So I went back the second day um, to take one of my first networking classes and the network crashed and the instructor couldn't figure out how to fix it. And I did. And at that point I said, you know what, this is enough. Like I, I just, this is not for me. I'm not going to pay somebody to teach things that I had already spent my life learning. Mm -hmm. And so I walked away. Uh, I took about a year off and I began working at CompUSA. Um, I was, Originally hired uh, to do a customer service, and within two days of being there, I was very fortunate. They put me in my very first sales role ever. I did very well. Um, I was salesperson of the month, month in and month out. And at that point, I kind of realized that sales was my thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to school. <laughs> I was working at CompUSA. I was waitressing as well at night. And my schedule was so crazy. I had no life. You know, all I was doing was, like I said, working and going to school. And uh, be it as it may, um, I was waitressing and one night I came off of my shift, went out to start my car that I had bought and paid for by myself <laughs> and my car blew up, literally, like the whole parking lot filled with smoke. So I had my mom come and get me and uh, I was about 10 till nine at night and my mom said, why don't we stop by a dealership on the way home? I was that quintessential person that every car dealer hates, you know, I wasn't even 18 yet, <laughs> no intention to buy a car. Um, but nevertheless, we rolled in and it was it was so shady on every level. I remember the guy who was the finance manager so I mean, constructing, literally constructing driver's licenses and pay stubs in his office. I mean, it was that bad. Wow. Uh, wanting to post date a deal at some ridiculous interest rate for my 18th birthday um, and have me buy the car. Needless to say, I did not buy a car that night. But mm -hmm. um, the long and short of it yeah. is that sales manager. Um, literally called and called and called trying to get my business. And every time I said, I would never buy a car from your dealership. You, you know, the way you do business is just, it's not ethical. No, thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, my grandfather and my, and my uncle were in the car industry on the mm -hmm. technical side for most of my life. So I grew up in garages. Mm -hmm. um, but the fourth time the sales manager called, he said, okay, I'm not going to try to sell you a car anymore, but can I sell you a job? You have a great personality. I think that you would be instrumental in helping us to change things at the dealership. And I laughed. Uh, because my idea of a salesperson was, you know, the grumpy old guy with the elbow pads. And, right. you know, I, I just, I, I'd never envisioned myself doing that. Um, but the icing on the cake was essentially, he said, if you stay for six months, you average selling 10 cars per month, we will reimburse you for all of your education. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, you don't hear that happening. So no. I was at this point where I'm like, I'm, I'm going to school. I'm working two jobs. I'm paying for all of my own education. Right. I have outstanding student loans. What do I have yeah. to lose? Nothing. I give them six months. If I do well, I get my college paid for. If I don't, I still make more money than I'm making at these two jobs combined. And I learn a new skill and a new craft. And um, so my first month at the dealership, I sold 14 and a half cars. Um, I did about $28,000 uh, in gross profit. And I made more money than I ever had made in my life at 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I was the only woman on the sales floor. It was very intimidating. I felt like a guppy in a shark tank, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I never looked back. Yeah. And um, I, I grew through the auto industry. So I started in sales within a few years. I was promoted uh, into a finance position. My primary background was secondary F&I. For those of you that may not understand that terminology, it was basically I had a passion for helping people that had less than perfect credit mm -hmm. in order to get into vehicles. But beyond that, it was literally sitting down with them and saying, OK, this is how we fix this. Mm -hmm. It's not just about, you know, getting you a car, let's, let's fix the problem. Let's tackle that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I did that. I, I did it for several years and then, uh, I was promoted again. I went into sales management and then, uh, at 23 years old, I was the youngest person ever. Um, a bank came after me and put me into a marketing position. But meanwhile, um, you were going to college during this yeah. season. Yeah, I know. I had gone back to part-time, um, when I originally had started school, I was taking a full course load. I mean, mm -hmm. just I, I was taking every credit hour that I could because I wanted to try to graduate early. Mm -hmm. um, when I originally started, it was just the focus of the English degree. And then I started looking at things because my goal after, you know, the six months at the dealership, I wanted to finish college and go to law school. Um, I wanted to do mergers and acquisitions and I wanted to become an attorney. Like that was my that was my life goal. Mm -hmm. um, and I started, you know, in English because I figured that was really going to help me best through law school. I love to read. I love to write. It's always mm -hmm. been a passion. Mm -hmm. But the more that I dove into that sales position and the better that I became and then I started getting really creative um, because at that time we didn't have social media. We had a box on our desk that had people's names and phone numbers. There was no social marketing. Sure. So I had to get really creative when it came to retaining clients. And one thing I started doing, I started connecting with local businesses in my community. Um, I think the first place I went to, it was a, a locally owned salon and I had these postcards made up and it said, pamper yourself on me, buy any car from Michelle at the dealership I was at, um, receive a, a $250 gift card to the salon. Mm. And it was just random. So I, I, I mean, it wasn't, didn't cost me a whole lot of money, but I, I walked into the salon and said, Hey, this is going to cost mm -hmm. you nothing hand these out, put them in your, your bags with your products. If they come in and buy a car for me and they have this card, I will buy a $250 gift card to sure. your salon and give it to them. So that was really my first introduction to marketing. That's great. Mm -hmm. um, and so I began building that out um, with restaurants, with a local hardware store. It said, do your home improvements on me. I just kept coming up with different ideas. Mm -hmm. And on average, I was selling an extra seven to 10 cars per month for the dealership just mm -hmm. by being different, standing mm -hmm. out, being a unique leader. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. so I, I stayed, I stayed, like I said, with the auto industry in one capacity or another. Most of my career spent most of my career uh, with a Subaru store, mm -hmm. bounced back and forth. I was an SME shortly before I launched my own company in 2015. Um, I was an SME for a FinTech warranty solution company in the automotive space. And um, I just got to this point where I, I kept bouncing back between the vendor side of things and the dealer side of things. And then ultimately I was offered a GSM role at a Subaru store. Yeah, stop for a minute. What does that mean? G what is I'm the sales manager? Okay. But the position they had in mind wasn't the traditional role of a GSM. So typically speaking, a GSM is going to monitor pretty much all aspects of sales and finance, your BDC mm -hmm. operations. They're going to they're going to kind of be around all that. They do a lot of the same things that your general manager will, and, and they're the fallback. Mm -hmm. For me, however, though, they created a specific position because they wanted me for my my retention. They wanted me for my marketability. Mm -hmm. At the time, the dealership was falling below par. We have um, a, a gauge for metrics in the car business, which is called CSI, right? Customer Satisfaction Index. Okay. These are scores. These are uh, surveys that are sent out to clients after you purchase a vehicle from the dealership. And anything less than a perfect score is actually considered a failing grade by all accounts oh. to, the, to the OEM. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that. So when you buy a car, your salesperson says, have I earned the perfect tens or have I earned a, a truly yeah. exceptional score? 
they're asking you that because by the OEM standard, manufacturer standards, anything less than a perfect score is a fail. Uh. And these are all um, these are all factored in in things like the bonuses or the dealership mm -hmm. getting a certain allocation of vehicles, things like that. So if their scores are too low, they lose lots of money, but they also lose vehicle inventory. So it's yes. really important for a dealership. Wow. So um, they tasked me with being the person in this GSM role who was going to handle both service and sales and getting these scores up and making sure the customers God. were completely satisfied. And it was a chore. They were below where they were supposed to be. And I had less than 90 days to get them back up to where they needed to be or they sought to lose millions of dollars. And so we made an agreement. Um, I began to. I have one question though. And where are you now geographically? Are you still? I, I am in Colorado now. I, I oh. bought my dream home in February, sight unseen. Uh, so I'm in Colorado now. No, no, that's not what I meant. Not now. I'm talking about back with. with the I was in Cincinnati. Structure. I was You're in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Ohio. That's yeah, all. I I'm moved back and forth between. Cincinnati and Chicago, um, okay. which is where I, I met my husband, okay. um, which we'll get into that. Yes, but, yes, so but, Cincinnati yes. to Chicago, that's where I was. So I was, I was in Cincinnati at the time. Yeah. Um, I was working for a Subaru store, very large dealer okay. group. And like I said, they had tasked me with this and, and I, by all accounts, I blew away the numbers, did everything that they were asking to do. And when it came time for me to collect on all of, I had been promised, it was excuse after excuse after excuse. And I had a decision to make. I had probably the most difficult decision I'd ever made in my life because I had relationships, genuine relationships with every single client that came in and out of that dealership. It was never about the revolving door to me. It was never about the paycheck to me. We all need to make a living, right? We all have to pay a mortgage or car payment. But for me, that business it's never been about that. It was about building genuine relationships. And I had built so many genuine mm -hmm. relationships throughout the tenure of my career in automotive that when I made the decision to walk away, my heart broke. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was painful. I remember sitting in that office with our general manager and saying, listen, either you pay me what I'm worth or I'm going to take everything I'm doing for your dealership and I'm going to do this for every dealership and business in the country. Mm -hmm. Because we were creating these beautiful logo cookie boxes that I'm sure you've seen advertised. Um, yes. we, we were doing all sorts of things that were different. They were outside of the box. Right. Most of the time when people come to a dealership, they might get one phone call after they've purchased. They might get a cute little manila card with gold writing that says thank you and a stamp. Mm -hmm. um, and they might get an email, right? But mm -hmm. nothing that I had been doing had really ever been done to that level. And everything I did was unique. Mm -hmm. And I gave them the ultimatum. And ultimately, um, they, they didn't make a decision within my time frame that was acceptable to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've put in a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of effort. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to start my own company. And they laughed me out the door. I was a woman. The echoes of the grass isn't greener speech followed me yeah. all the way out to my car. I I'd handed my demo keys back. They tried to give my car back. They said, think about it. You don't know what you're doing. This is the worst mistake you're ever going to make. You've got a cushy office and a great salary. And I said, and that's all fine and good. But this no longer aligns with my vision, my purpose, my life. I'm going to go. And but, further, but furthermore, you attained or not attained, you created the, uh, and uh, succeeded in the goal that they uh, gave you, which was pretty daunting. You succeeded in it and they, they surpassed it far and far surpassed it. And they did not uh, follow through with what they, no, they part tried of the to negotiate because they didn't realize. I don't think at the time when, I mean, I said, listen, you're getting $2 million in your bonuses. I should get my cut. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it didn't happen. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I've, I've never been one to, um, engage in, in things like that. Like I'll give mm -hmm. you one opportunity and then I'm out. Like, I yeah. just, I don't have time for that. And right. I just, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this myself. And, um, it was really scary. It was very scary. I mean, when you go from, you know, your car is paid for, your insurance is paid for, you're making well over six figures, you're doing really well for yourself. And then you go from that to, oh my gosh, I've never run a business. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where to start. And if mm -hmm. I don't succeed, just like Danelle Delgado says, who loses if I don't win? 
Right. I had right. I had responsibilities um, to a family and on all kinds of things. So, you know, it was it was really tough, really tough. But looking back, I don't think I would have changed anything for the world. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Yeah. Um, my life has come so far, and you know, within a year, within a year of me doing that and walking away, you know, I endured the worst tragedy of my life. And um, you want to talk about a test of faith. There is nothing in this world that can prepare you for that kind of tragedy. And, and I know a lot of people watching know my story. Um, but I left that dealership middle of 2015. And, you know, when you're, when you just are starting out, right, you, you kind of dilly dally for six months to a year trying to just figure out what you're doing. Well, well, um, I kind of started to figure it out in July of 2016. And uh, on November 16th of 2016, I woke up in my husband's lifeless cold arms only to discover that he had taken his own life. And um, I just remember being numb, Megan. Mm-hmm. I remember screaming mm-hmm. and crying and I can't really tell you much of what happened that night. I, it, it was all a blur mm-hmm. um, surrounded by police and paramedics and, and mm-hmm. watching them with paddles try and save my husband. And he was gone. Mm-hmm. And you were all but 20, uh, 30, what, see, 30, 30, four? Let's do the math. Uh, five years ago. Yeah. Like 34, 35, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were no signs, you know, he had, he had struggled and battled with addiction, um, for much of his life. Um, his upbringing, um, it was, it was tumultuous. Um, but you don't ever think that somebody that you love mm-hmm. would just do something like that. You don't, mm-hmm. you, you, you can't plan, you can't prepare. Um, and for almost a year after that, I just spiraled. I mm-hmm. completely spiraled. I, I stopped working on my business. Um, I just, I couldn't function. Doctors were pushing all kinds of medication down my throat and on me and saying, you know, take this, you need this for concentration or you need this for anxiety. You need this for depression. And I've, I've never been one that I, I don't like medication. I never have. And especially considering, you know, that my husband had, had struggled with the addiction and um, th- for after about a month, they had me on all this garbage and I didn't even feel like myself. I didn't know who I was. And I finally, and I don't recommend this to anybody. I always talk to your doctor, but I, I dumped it all down the toilet. I said, enough mm-hmm. is enough. Mm-hmm. And then I began drowning myself in wine. Um, I just, I wanted to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. I wanted to numb the pain. And I, I got to a place where I just, I didn't care anymore. I didn't mm-hmm. care about me. Um, if you go back and look at end of 2016, beginning of 2017, and I, I've toyed with taking it down, but the posts that I was making on social media, it was just anger, sheer anger, anger and pain and hate at my family because they weren't there. They weren't around. They weren't anything for me. I felt like I was completely alone and I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know how I was going to pick up the pieces of my life. I didn't know how I was going to move forward. I didn't know how I was going to be the mom that I needed to be. I didn't know any of these things. I was angry with God. Um, I stopped going to church. All of the things that had once brought me so much joy in my life now were just a constant reminder of that pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it was tough. And my family started to see me just spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. And said, listen, you, you got to do something like you can't, you can't do this anymore. And at the time, um, my mom was getting ready to retire and she said, you know, we're going to move South. It was a split second decision. We're going to move South. We're moving in three weeks. I think you should come with us. And I hate the South. I hate the heat. (laughs) It's not me. I hate it. My dream has always been since 2005, the day that I first stepped off of a plane in Colorado, I said, I'm buying a house in the mountains. That's where I'm going to be. And so once again, it was like, I felt like I was just taking 10 steps back. But at the same time, I knew mm-hmm. I needed to be around family. Yeah. I needed to be around people who were going to lift me up. And I still was at that place where I just was kind of lost. I lived, you know, even though I lived near my mom, um, 
I ended up meeting somebody um, and the crazy story that, that happened with me even going to South Carolina. So a friend of mine drove me down to South Carolina. Um, I had just turned in my lease for my vehicle. So I didn't have a car. And uh, he drove me down from Chicago because I had been visiting uh, my kids in Chicago. And we drove all the way down um, to South Carolina. And we get there. And I had some paperwork and things that I had to do the very next morning um, in Charleston, right? So <laughs> I take my friend's car. We didn't get there till like midnight. I take my friend's car. And halfway to Charleston, I had a hotel for the night. The car stops running on the side of the road. Now, mind you, this is like dark, desolate highway. There's no lights. There's nothing. It's like this hundred mile stretch of road and the car dies on the side of the highway. I'm trying to call my mom. I'm trying to call my friends. I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. And I ended up calling somebody that I knew from social media of all things. (laughs) I said, I don't know what to do here. I'm stranded. I'm literally like a hundred miles from Charleston. It's one 30 in the morning. And he came and got me and we ended up dating um, for several years. But in the interim of that, the very next morning at 830, you want to talk about having angels. I got a phone call from the friend that I had borrowed his car. Five minutes after I'd been picked up, that car was leveled by an 18 wheeler. The guy fell asleep behind the wall or behind the wheel. They sent me pictures. The police sent me pictures. It was literally flattened. Oh, my. Oh, my. you, You talk about. God being there, that was a God moment. I, I probably should have been dead. Yes. And, um, but you know, what's interesting about that is that it's also a a statement that Michelle, I took you out of there and your friend is not injured who owns the car, but I took you out of there to show you that I am God. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, and it, it took me still yet a few more months before I would really start to figure it out. I, I was literally at home one day and um, the guy that I was dating at the time, his, his boss and his boss's wife um, had invited me to go to their church. And at that point I just wasn't ready. I just, just wasn't ready. I I was still really angry, but um, I downed a whole bottle of wine one day and um, two weeks prior to this day, this book had shown up on my doorstep. It was called Unshakable by Pastor Nelson Searcy, Standing Strong When Things Go Wrong. I still to this day don't know who sent it or where it came from or how anyone got my address. But this book shows up on my doorstep. And I had picked that book up and I had just literally haphazardly thrown it on my dining room table. Two weeks later, like I said, I'm, I'm a bottle of wine in. Um, this whole incident had happened with the car and all of that. And I just, I was a shaken mess. And... Um, I was in my dining room and all of a sudden I felt hands on my back. Like there was no one there. It was just me. Mm -hmm. And it felt like there were two very distinct hands on my back and that someone pushed me, pushed me down to my knees. And I, now maybe I was more intoxicated than I thought I was. And I fell, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I remember being there on my knees and out of nowhere, just started crying and crying Mm -hmm. and crying and screaming and asking about why, why did this happen to me? And I heard a voice, a very audible man's voice that said, girl, get up, girl, get up. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it came from, Mm -hmm. but I got up Mm -hmm. and that book was the first thing that I saw. Mm -hmm. And the next day I started reading that book. I got about halfway through the book. And um, once again, um, the guy I was dating at the time, his his boss's wife said, would you please go to church with us on Sunday? It's, it, I think you'll really get something out of it. And I finally said, okay, you know what? What do I have to lose? So I went and I walked through those church doors and was handed a program. And at the top of the program, there's the word unshakable. Mm-hmm. And I walked through the doors and on the big screen is the word unshakable. Mm-hmm. And Megan, mm-hmm. that single moment solidified mm-hmm. everything for me in my life. That mm-hmm. was God speaking to me mm-hmm. in a way that I, I can't explain. And I think sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we are waiting so long for that audible sign or for mm-hmm. that smack in the face or for that. Mm-hmm. Here's the shiny light moment that you're waiting for. And I waited and I waited and I waited and I look back and there were so many times throughout that year where I now go, oh, that was God. That was God talking to me. That was God trying to give me a nudge. Mm-hmm. And I just kept ignoring it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember after coming out of that, literally just praying and going, okay, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And it was like, he came out in full force and said, you want a sign? Here you go. Right. Get your life together. Like yes. you cannot keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision that day. I remember going to that altar call at church and just laying in all on the altar and people praying around me and everything changed. Mm-hmm. Everything changed that day. And I made a commitment. I said, I'm not going back. It's, it's time to move forward. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that my business had been suffering. And if I wanted to succeed, I had to change my image so many people had unfollowed me and um, were, didn't really care for the human I was. Like they didn't. I, I remember lots of people telling me I was vulgar and, and angry and that they didn't read want to read my negativity. And mm-hmm. I mean, I had every right to feel that way, mm-hmm. but I had to clean up my act and I had to clean up my image. So I stopped drinking um, and I started to shift my image on social media from one of pushing everyone away like I had for a year to now, how do I use my story and my journey to save just one Mm -hmm. and to bring people together and to change Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. And it started with um, doing something as simple as like birthday posts for people and saying, Hey, I see you. I acknowledge you because Mm -hmm. Megan, you never know what people are going through. So many people, they, they put out this facade on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to do it. I know we've all probably done it mm-hmm. where we just want to put the highlight reel. We don't ever want people to see the mm-hmm. bad ones. We don't want to see people to see the, the grief or the things that we go through. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I decided to do it different. I decided I needed to share my story because if I could lose my husband to suicide, I knew that there were other people in this world that were probably going through things they would never share on social media, that they were hiding Mm -hmm. behind the tragedy or the pain or the things they were feeling inside. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to change somebody. And Mm -hmm. I wanted my husband's death to have purpose and to have Mm -hmm. meaning and to be able to do something to change. And so, like I said, I started with the birthday post. It was just a simple gesture of, Hey, I acknowledge you. I see you. Mm-hmm. maybe you're not actually out celebrating and maybe you don't have people around you for your birthday and it's your birthday. And maybe the only thing that you're going to get today is my stupid little birthday post that says, happy birthday. I'm thinking of you. And you may not even know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you do such a beautiful job at that. Such a great yeah. job. Mm-hmm. And I, I do it now. Every, I still do it every day, but it was just that simple of a thing. Mm-hmm. And that, Mm-hmm. That led into um, me being contacted by people because I was doing my own advertising and saying, who does your graphic work? And I was like, oh, well, I do. <laughs> and then that led into like major contracts with major companies to do brand strategy and marketing because mm-hmm. everything that I was doing to grow my own business and overcome my own grief, I was using them to pour back into other people and their businesses and say, well, this is how I did it, but maybe mm-hmm. we can collect together and mm-hmm. two heads are better than one. Let's come up with a strategy for your brand and your business. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that. And now, you know, it's grown into something I never could have imagined for myself. I was a car girl. That was it. I was a car girl. Yeah. But you know, when you shared the story about the salon and the first dynamic of that back in the early stages, I was thinking to myself, well, that's the seed of retention master. Meaning because you were thinking in the box, out of the box, around the box and building that client retention and that relationship. So you've been doing it for years. It was just in a different form. You know, today is the very first time and you saying that is honestly the very first time I've ever thought about it like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Call me. I'll fill. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, now that you've shared your story, uh, it makes total sense. Yeah, you know, I, I cannot honestly say that I've ever been as happy as I am now in my life. And, you know, the fact that I get to work with amazing people every day and dealers and I get to create, creating is at the core of what I do. And and whether it's something as simple as a graphic or doing a web page for somebody or creating, you know, retention packages um, that they can help to use to keep their clients. You know, yeah. we do all kinds of stuff, but every day I get to create something new and different. No two days are ever the same. And, you know, even going through all of that up until about 
a year and a half or so ago, you know, I had gone from losing my husband, moving to South Carolina. I ended up in a, a really toxic relationship um, where I was held back in every capacity and, you know, narcissism on every level. And I think at that point, once I made the decision that I needed to do me and be me, regardless of anything else, mm -hmm. I had to eliminate all the toxicity in my life mm -hmm. to really be able to shine. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, even though I was succeeding and people on the outside were seeing what I was doing and they were following mm -hmm. my journey, mm -hmm. I still wasn't happy with me. I was very, very unhappy with me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I made the decision that I needed to get my health and my life together. That, mm -hmm. that was another really big turning point. And I left the relationship. I, I left everything. I literally just said, okay, everything that is here and right now in front of me, if it is not serving me and my higher purpose, it's got to go. Mm -hmm. And then it once again, here I was faced with one of the toughest decisions of my life. I'd spent three years with someone he had proposed to me, mm -hmm. um, but it just, it, it wasn't the right, it wasn't right. And I just, God kept, putting those signs once again, like, Michelle, this mm -hmm. is not what I have planned for you. And I walked away, mm -hmm. I literally did. I walked away. Um, and I, I moved back in with my mom temporarily. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew that I wasn't happy. And I said, okay, now we got to start working on the outer appearance. I, I did a self audit. And I said to myself, why are you not happy, Michelle? Like your career is going well. You have amazing friends around you. Like you have all these things in place. Why are you so unhappy with who you are? Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people sometimes, you know, we all are our own worst critic and enemy and we look in the mirror and we don't see what we like. But for me, I genuinely felt like the person on the inside didn't match the out. I was mm -hmm. horribly overweight. I was 276 pounds, heaviest I'd ever been in my life. No doubt the result of depression and drinking and losing my husband and doing all of the things I probably should never have been doing. But nevertheless, I got to the place where I was on that scale and I broke down and I remember crying to my mom and going, how did this happen? How did this happen? And I, I connected with somebody on social media um, who I had seen posting about training for someone else in our industry. And I said, what do I have to lose but a call? And I picked up the phone and broke down. I probably word vomited to Luke um, for an hour and a half on the phone talking about how miserable I was, giving him all the excuses. I didn't have time. I ran a company and he refused to listen to any of it. He goes, okay, we're going to make this so stupid, simple. You're going to eat the same thing every day for three weeks. I'm going to have you walking 10,000 steps and we're going to go to the gym and strength train. And I went, I can't do all of that. There's no way. <laughs> and uh, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, Megan. It started, it started with that. And probably, I don't know, a month or so into that journey of trying to just start changing my habits with food and, and fitness and just doing something, right? Mm -hmm. Getting off the couch and doing something. Um, out of nowhere, um, somebody stumbled into my life and um, changed everything, believed in me and pushed me and made me believe in the person that I knew I could be on every possible level and kept pushing my journey of going, Hey, I see this in you. I see that all these other people will see this in you. Now we got to get Michelle to see this in Michelle, whatever it takes. You don't have to date me. You don't have to do any of that, but I want you to know that you have a friend, you have a friend, you have someone that's going to be in your corner, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs I'm here. And I said, yeah, I'm not interested. Thanks. I'm good. Got it. I'm self-sufficient. Don't need you. Don't need anyone in my life. I got this. Mm -hmm. God had other plans. <laughs> exactly. 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 And, uh, and, all, and all he said is, I just want to be your friend. That's it. That's mm -hmm. it. I just want to be your friend. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. And uh, we kept in touch. He, um, he works for the Department of Defense. So he's over in Iraq half the time. Um, one of the very highly qualified people in this world that's able to work on uh, eye in the sky technology. And uh, so when he came back from Iraq, I was his first stop. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give you your five minutes. I'll, I'll meet you. And the rest is history. But, you know, uh, it's crazy because he, he pushed my journey in so many ways. Um, I've lost 140 pounds now in the last year, just diet and exercise. It went from a size 24 to a size six, eight. Mm -hmm. I have more energy than I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have found my person in every way imaginable. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how that happens. I think 
we spend so much of our lives like searching for that that perfect relationship or that that perfect person that's going to complete us and at the end of the day no human being on this planet is going to be able to complete you unless you can complete yourself amen and that is what he taught me mm-hmm. that is what he showed me and i had no intention of ever being in a relationship ever again then zip zero zilch i was like i'm i'm good i'm doing me we we don't need no good <laughs> just stay away please do not fall in love with me i cannot take it i have way too much drama in my life and he stuck around and he stuck around every day every day reminding me whether he was away or home you matter you're beautiful you can do this i've got your back no matter what and became my best friend and um like i said in february uh we bought our house sight unseen before we'd ever met in person many people don't know that they would probably think i was insane um but you know you just know like there was unequivocally no doubt in my mind and when i told my family what i was doing my whole family who has always contradicted everything i have ever done when I don't do something that my family, like when I disagree or something, my father, especially first person to go, you have lost your mind. And my dad, we've grown up in the church the whole time. You know, my, my dad's an associate pastor. My dad's very uh, straight and narrow. We, we don't do things outside of the box. And when I told my dad what I was doing, my dad said, I had a dream about this. And this is exactly the person that you're supposed to be with. And you have my blessing. Go buy your house, go get married and go live your life. Well, I'm not married yet. Um, we'll see. Well, I have we'll a question. When he finally question. decides to pop the question, if he does, which we'll see. But <laughs> well, I'm sure. I but I have a question. Um, so <laughs> I knew that. Obviously, I've known you've moved to Colorado, uh, to your beautiful home in the mountains. I've obviously know that uh, because you posted, and I know you, and you've shared that. But uh, you recently shared a little bit about uh, this person. Uh, but um, have you shared that you and this, uh, what is his name? His name is Jason. You and Jason, have you shared publicly that you and Jason have bought your home together? Oh, yeah. Every, oh. yeah, everybody knows. Yeah, no, okay. everybody knows that we bought the house. Well, I'm the last to know here. Okay. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Like, I, I didn't really put it out there. Like, people that are around me. That, right, right. You keep no. private life pretty private. Generally. Yes, you do. I think yes. that's better. Yes. I don't, yes, I don't sure. like a lot of people meddling. Sure. Um, and, you know, I waited a year before I even came out with our relationship because right. I just wanted to be 100 percent sure. I oh, knew in my, oh my heart. Gosh. Yes, I really did. I knew. Um, but I'm protective of I'm very protective of it because we have something that I have never had in my life. Yes, I've never had that kind of cheerleader. And well, this makes it so much to me for me, I should say. I'm speaking personally now. Uh, this is I, I didn't know this. And I'm so, so excited and pleased for you, Michelle. Thank please you. Is, is understatement. But um, one of the things I want to highlight before we end, because we need to continue this conversation in so many different directions for our viewers and listeners, but in listening to you share the story, and I, which I do know, um, in the but in chronological order, so to speak. Um, this is such a gift for you sharing. It's such a gift for our viewers and listeners, Michelle, because as we've discussed before, that so many people may not have gone through exactly what you've gone through, but they have gone through a lot. And they actually see that this person not only survived, but is thriving. And in through that, through the power of the Holy Spirit, A, the car incident, and B, the church incident, meaning with the book uh, and the author, and then the message there, loud and clear. So we just have to be open to listen for that that uh, God wink, that God nudge, a nudge, and actually, like you also said, the hands upon your back. So it's, if nothing more, uh, people have heard this loud and clear. God is faithful, even yes. when we are not, even when mm-hmm. we doubt ourselves or our abilities, or we are going through the most trying of times, he has never left our side. And I believe mm-hmm. that with every part of my being, and yes. you don't have to align with my beliefs. You don't have to believe what I do, no. but I promise mm-hmm. you that 
when you focus and you refuse to quit, you refuse to give up and you just go, Hey, I give up. That's what I did, Megan. Surrender. I said, okay, God, Surrender. I give up. Mm-hmm. I can't do this mm-hmm. anymore. Whatever mm-hmm. your plan is for my life, run with it. Take the mm-hmm. wheel because I can't do this on my own. I failed in every single aspect. I failed in everything that I tried to do on my own. No, but you didn't fail. But because life, life is life. You didn't fail. Life but, but you, life is life. But you, you're human and life is life. But you surrendered and finally, and that's all the Lord wants. That's all God wants is to say, Hey, I've got the roadmap. I know the plan. Stop fitting a square peg in a round hole, you know, lean and trust me. So as we end here this week, the week after Thanksgiving, um, I ask every guest the same question, Michelle. Um, and it's, you know, based on three feet from gold, which I know you've read, um, and Sharon Lecter's success formula, you know, passion, passion plus, plus talent times action times association plus faith. <laughs> so I don't ask you every to pinpoint each, but what is your passion and what is your talent? My passion is people above all else. My passion is people. It's making a massive impact and changing lives. And the beauty of it is that my talent is creative um, and I get to marry that in every single thing that I do every single day in getting to help every business owner that I come in contact with to create their brand and to create their vision. And at the same time, I get to change lives. I get to share stories. I get to know the people I'm working with on such a deeper level. And I think that really is where my creative comes from. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know this then. And, and might laugh, but anytime somebody comes to me with brand work or or logo work or anything like that, I literally pray about it, Megan. Mm -hmm. I close my eyes, I pray about it and I say, okay, God, give me the vision. Mm -hmm. And it literally will manifest itself in front of my face as I'm sitting there and doing that. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I'm able to do that and to channel that is by getting to know the people I'm working with on a much deeper level, having mm-hmm. that open line of communication. There's a lot of designers out there that'll go, okay, give me a hundred or 200 bucks and I'll whip up something for you. But for me, it's, I hate that. Mm-hmm. I want to know every client that I work with on a personal level. I want to know their goals. I want to know their vision. I want to know what their dreams are. Mm-hmm. I want to create that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm, like I said, that's, that's truly my passion is people and working with people, my talent, just happens to marry with that and creativity and I get to create beautiful things. So So now people must follow you on Facebook and Instagram because now they can see this journey. Honestly, uh, what you've done with your home uh, just is so special. And what you, the life that you're now creating is so special. And to hear the whole entire story, as I said, sequentially, creates that narrative of understanding that it's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And you know, wants on the other side of fear. Amen. And you know, you, you said initially uh, before, you know, as we began about, we've known each other since 2018. Um, I, um, my journey is very different than yours. Uh, we're all snowflakes. We have a different journey, but you made a reference to seeing, uh, you know, my change or evolution. But again, this is my third or fourth iteration of my life. And, um, and so with that said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm concurring with you and I'm sharing with our guests and our viewers and listeners that again, it's never too early or too late. So like you, Michelle, I was in a transition when I met you, I still owned my brick and mortar business, but I knew it was time. I knew it was that season was coming to a close, but you just don't walk away from something like that. And so, because I had people depending upon me and I, on many levels, loved it. So, but I knew in my spirit, it was a transition time. So what you've seen is that transition. And as I said, it's the third or fourth iteration of that. So you're, so I share this, not about me, but about you, my friend, because you're just beginning I can't wait to see what God has in store for you, my friend. Cannot wait because so he has much. a he has a big plan for you, Michelle. A big plan for you. 
Big. Well, my plan is, is to help as many other people as I can. Like I said, my motto, I get up every day. That's my why. Just one. If I can save just one. If I can change just mm -hmm. one life, impact one mm -hmm. life. If mm -hmm. one person says, I didn't give up today because of you, that's all I can ask for. So Amen. Amen. We'll see. God, I'm just the vessel. God's using me in, in ways I never asked for, but I wouldn't change any of it. Well, again, thank you for joining me today. Thank and I think it's a me. very appropriate day this um you know, weekend after Thanksgiving, because this is the kickoff, so to speak, of the holiday season. And so it's very fitting for not only you sharing your your testimony and your story, but today to share that with our, our uh, guests, because everyone today in a, this very sad and polarized world needs that understanding that it's never too early or too late. And Amen. it's trusting in him. Always. So thank you, love. Really, really thank appreciate you. Thank it. you, thank you. So why don't you uh, be in the green room for a minute, and I'll be right back. Alrighty. Thank you. Wow. You know, I I'm always moved by my uh, guests' stories. Uh, they're always so rich with truth and life and message, always. But to listen to Michelle and one woman who is just turning 40, um, have this journey that she has been on and what testimony of her, not only creativity and brilliance, but the strength and fortitude to withstand it and to continue on and the joy and peace that she is now having personally, but also knowing that it is her mission, vision, and life to share just with one. So folks, I just ask you to share this out with all of your social media platforms because there are people that need to hear Michelle's story. And also it is on YouTube, so subscribe. Michelle's story is there now and it will be there forevermore, but there are other amazing uh, unique leader stories that are there as well. And then Tuesday, Michelle's um segment will be on all of the podcasting platforms. So subscribe to iTunes. We truly would appreciate it because it will help others to find not only Michelle's, but all other unique leaders. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you next week for another Unique Leaders Live and be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.